Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. But first, let's get to our top story. Today, Restaurant Canada uh, released its 2023 market report to provide a snapshot of the health of our restaurant sector. The information, sadly, is incredibly concerning. One-third of all restaurants in Canada are operating at a loss. You can compare that to just 7% before the pandemic. And only 17% are presently uh, breaking even. It speaks to a significant amount of upheaval in the restaurant business. Joining me now to discuss the challenges uh, is Ian Tostenson. He's president of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. Ian, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me on, Jess. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, uh, and you're the guy to talk to on this issue, that's for sure. What do you make of... uh, this uh, study from Restaurants Canada report that says a third of restaurants are operating at a loss and the sector is uh, poised for upheaval. Your thoughts on that? I think, uh, well, you know what, uh, it's, it's disappointing. Uh, it's not surprising. Uh, these are national numbers from Restaurants Canada. They do a great job with this kind of stuff. Uh, I think the numbers are a little bit higher in, in, uh, in British Columbia. And, um, you know, it's, and it's related to the obvious is price increases uh, in both, you know, food and um, our physical spaces, rent, um, taxes, everything around us is going up, and and we are just frankly unable to. I mean, we could we could solve this really easy if it was uh, if the supply demand curve was like neutral and just put our prices up, and we'd be fine. But of course, as you well know, <laughs> we're not about to start eating thirty dollar hamburgers and or serving thirty dollar hamburgers. So. We're in a bit of a dilemma right now, for sure. Uh, the food price uh, increase, uh, the food for raw, the cost for raw material. Um, the, what's causing this? Have you gotten any sense from your restaurant members, uh, their suppliers? Like, what is driving this increase in food costs? Well, it's scarcity, uh, it's supply chain, um, it's California and drought and um you know mexico and they've had some problems there so it's really a combination of you know both your agricultural base which is uh, which has been consistent and it's, that's weather related and then also and this is starting to improve uh and all these things will start to improve is the supply chain itself is just that not not being able to we still ca- you know can you believe that we're still catching up from the pandemic and um you know i look at um you're talking about how much food goes into the Gaza Strip every day, how many trucks go in there. There's like seven or 800 trucks a day needed just to just that little smart part of the earth. So you can imagine how much food that we're ordering into, uh, you know, in the British Columbia to, to manage this. So that's that, those are the biggest big thing has been agricultural base and, and weather conditions and and supply chains moving out. But it's it's starting to come, but it's not it's not anywhere near like it was prior to the pandemic. And it was just because they don't have enough workers. I'm trying to understand because, you know, it's not like your methods of chain. You buy the food, you prepare the food, you sell the food. It's a simple concept. But is it just a case of they're not having enough truck drivers? I know I understand the weather conditions, that I the droughts, I get yeah. that. 
but is it just not enough labor? I mean, what's I mean, it can't be just drought. I mean, you've dealt with drought years no. prior uh, no. in the industry. You've got, you know, you've got food and you've got all the rest of the commodities. You, you know, you've got um, everybody. Lo- so you look at uh, shipping stuff in from uh, Asia or from Europe. Um, it's just the availability of tankers. So much stuff has to move so quickly and it just gets bottlenecked. So you're right. I mean, there's probably not so much a labor shortage as it is just, you know, just infrastructure being able to keep up with the ports. And uh, I mean, look what happened when we had the uh, strike in Vancouver. It put us behind two months. And so all that all that backlog is still in the system. And there's backlog, same in, you know, California and where we get a lot of our produce. So it just, it just simply, you know, how many ships do we have and how many trucks do we have to get to get this and there's been shifting um commodities as well too is that there's been changes in what we're consuming and where we consume it where we're buying it from just because of supply so it's uh we're a ways away from solving that particular problem uh, how long before your rest how, like, how long can your restaurants hold on when you know you're losing money and you got rent every yeah. month you've got uh, uh taxes you got wages you got everything else but, I mean, at what point does the reckoning come where people just throw in the towel and say, that's enough, I'm just walking away from this, it's not worth it? Well, we're starting to see that now. I mean, uh, bankrupt- bankruptcies are up uh, considerably. I, I don't know what the current number is, but it's it's a lot higher than it ever has been. And we know that a lot of the operators, we're not really talking about chains here, we're talking about the majority of restaurants which are independent, um, they're maxed out with their line of credits. Um, so... Uh, we've got this looming issue right now that you and I have talked about is the uh, is the CIBA loans that are due uh, to the federal government in January. And thanks to the Premier and the rest of the Premiers in Canada, they've written the Prime Minister, to say, come on, let's extend this. No one wants free money, but give us an extension because we're in no position to pay that. So um, you're, just, you're just seeing the cost. We're seeing people just giving up, you know, just like they're working uh, long hours, you know, I was talking to a restaurant owner on Davie Street. He goes, I get here at 9, and I leave here at 1 o'clock in the morning, and I do that six days a week. So it's not sustainable. It's not enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to see a break point. I think we will see, uh, you know, we are seeing it right now, a contraction in conventional ownership in restaurants. Yet, on the other side, um, you know, if you look at Daily Hive, and you'll see that there's a lot of investment going in. But they're coming with new concepts, new food ideas, smaller physical plants, which are a lot more efficient to operate and costly. So sort of what goes out um, sort of gets put back in. That's always been the story of the restaurant industry. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, we are speaking to Ian Tostenson. He is the president of the BC Restaurant and Food Services Association. We're talking about a new report from Restaurant Canada, a new survey that they did that shows that one-third of all restaurants in Canada are operating at a loss. Uh, pre-pandemic, that number was at 7%, and only about 17% are presently breaking even. Now, Ian, is it fair to say that there were structural challenges within the restaurant industry anyway, pre-COVID and with COVID itself making things worse, worse of course. Uh, so we're seeing a pretty big shakeup that um, potentially could be coming in the next few months or a year? Yeah, I saw a really cool diagram, which was the restaurant of the future, and it had sort of three uh, three parts to it. It had a drive through mm-hmm. It had... Um, uh, takeout area for pickup, so for third-party delivery to pick up. It had actually four. It had a patio, 
and and then it had in-store dining. So it had all four components, and that's what's happened with the pandemic is that people like to go through drive-throughs, people like to have their food delivered, people like to go into restaurants, uh, but not as frequently as before because they have other ways of doing it. And when the weather's nice to go to patios, we're seeing a lot of restaurants just aren't designed that way. And I, I thought it was kind of like, I kind of rolled my eyes when I think it was in Port Moody where there an A&W guy is trying to install, uh, redo his property. He wants to keep his drive through but build hundreds of um, rental spaces, and they won't let him. They say, no, drive throughs are bad. But that's what people want. And and uh, so that's the, kind of the issue is that you're if you're a restaurant on Robson Street, you have a hard time capturing the entire process that we want. So you may not be able to have a patio, um, you know, you're probably crowding your restaurant with, with delivery. We're seeing now, Jazz, that's, oh, before the pandemic, maybe, you know, delivery, I'm talking third-party delivery, like Uber Eats, et cetera, was maybe, you know, 15% of our business. It's, it's settled at 30%, and it's not going down. So that's a very, very strong component because we all know how nice it is to sit at home and watch something on TV or a Canucks game or whatever we're doing. And you, and you get pretty good service and pretty good quality food at your front door with, if you want, uh, alcohol. Mm-hmm. Uh, you brought the, up the issue of the pandemic and loans that the restaurant industry had taken, restaurant owners and individually had taken. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, on that? Do you think the government will relent a little bit in regards to helping out uh, your members and many other industries as well? Or do you think that will be could be one of the reasons why some of these restaurants further, you know, we, we will see further closures uh, because of these loans that are due. Yeah, I, I think it's a huge issue. I think it's, um, um, I think only about a third of all the loans in Canada, and not just restaurants, small business, uh, have been paid back. Um, you know, it was a great move the federal government did that. I think the government, federal government moved by doing these SIBA loans, which just, you know, for the audience was, there were $60,000 loans, and if you pay them back um, by this December, they forgive 20000 They've extended it once, but we're not in any better position now than we're, frankly, in fact, we're probably in a worse position right now as our industry, and even retail, to pay these back in December. So we're all saying in Canada, just give us a bit more time. No one wants to walk away from it. But I'm afraid that if the, uh, if, um, the prime minister doesn't act on this quickly, you're going to see a lot of people fold their cards. A lot of people can't get credit. A lot of people... They've maxed out. They've used their RSPs. They've used their line of credit. So, so going to a bank and saying, I need more money may not be that feasible. And if they go to refinance it, um, we know that they're going to be refinancing at a higher interest rates, which is even, you know, another problem. So I think the government, federal government really needs to do this. And as I keep saying is that no one's wanting a bailout here. This is not free money. We just need a bit more time to pay for it. They've, um, they did extend it by 18 days, big deal. And then they said, um, but you got to pay it back by spring. Well, in the springtime, most restaurants don't have, in our case, any money in the bank at all. They're waiting for the summer to come. So we um, we, we got our fingers crossed on that one. I think that's the biggest thing that government could do right now for, for small business in Canada is to extend those loans. Final question, uh, looking at the E and Tostens and Crystal Ball. Tell me what the industry looks like in five years from now after all of what they're going through, what we're seeing today, what's it look like on the other side five years from now? 
big cities will have big restaurants because big cities attract tourism and and uh, big events. You just only have to witness what's going on in Vancouver. Um, that just is sustaining a whole bunch. So you're going to see all your premium restaurants and that excitement. You'll continue to see um, um, you know regional development in neighborhoods where restaurants will play more and more important role. I don't think we're going to see a, um, a return to uh, office work like we saw before. So you're going to see the strength in regional restaurants, but they're going to be much more service oriented. They're going to be doing other other revenue streams, as I said before, you know, delivery and and uh, pickup and uh, in smaller spaces in size, so the restaurant owners aren't paying as much money. And they're going to have great patios, and maybe those patios will be built to last year round and not be so functional. So we'll we'll have a very robust industry, um, I think you'll see more uh, continued emphasis on local food, local wines, just because of the uncertainty. We talked about jazz with the supply chains. So we've got a good picture here, um, but we just need to calm down these costs. I mean, not just for us, but even the, the regular person at home. As, as long as we get inflation under control and get cost containment, then I think we can start working our way back to a uh, to strong industry. And you know what? Um, we we are, are probably one of the most innovative restaurant sectors or industries in all of North America, right here in British Columbia. So many things have been developed here, and I think that 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 enthusiasm and, and innovation will continue. Yeah. Ian, thank you for your time as always. Thanks, Jazz. All the very best.